Our Future Now is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. You hear a lot these days, like, we're going to stay out in these streets. Yes, right? And we're going to stay civically engaged. And, and, and voting and voter registration, all of that has to be a part of that culture every day, not just every four years. Hi, I'm Natalie Mebain. And I'm Jonah Gottlieb. We're co-founders of the National Children's Campaign. And welcome to this episode of Our Future Now. Jonah, we always talk about politics, policies, and what people can do to make a difference. But it's not that often that we talk about how we can use art to bring people into this movement. And so today we have an amazing guest who has been engaged at the intersections of all of this work for years. Cesar Cardenas is the Coalition's and Issues Lead for Hip Hop Caucus. He grew up in South Florida and is a product of Miami-Dade and Broward Public Schools. He focused on public interest policy in Fordham University School of Law's Public Interest and Ethics Program and their Community Economic Development Clinic. He was a senior environmental justice policy aide for the Bloomberg 2020 presidential campaign and worked closely with the campaign's Black and Latino coalitions teams. Cesar, thank you so much for joining us today. Pleasure to be here with you. Cesar, we are really happy that you're here because you do really interesting and unique work. So you work for the Hip Hop Caucus, which we love, love, love Hip Hop Caucus so much. And just kind of tell our audience a bit about what is Hip Hop Caucus? What are the, some of the things you all work on? What do you guys do? Yeah, thank you, Natalie. Um, you know, we were established back in 04. Uh, we're a, a nonprofit nonpartisan group. And so what, what we try to do is uh, leveraging hip hop, right, as a culture, right? We, we consider ourselves kind of like the, the political arm of hip hop, right? To, uh, to encourage youth to participate in the democratic process, but more than just participate, understand, right, where, how the dots connect and why folks um, why you should, should be engaged. So we do that through um, collaborative uh, leadership committees, right, and networks at, at the local level, where we're helping folks address core issues that affect underserved communities. And, um, you know, the goal always being to support uh, solutions, you know, uh, uh, driven community organizing led by uh, the, youth, the, the youth leaders of today. So how did you get involved in activism and what led you to the Hip Hop Caucus? The turning point for me was being in that community economic development clinic at Fordham because of the specific project that I got dropped into, right? So when I signed up and we started, right, our work, and a clinic is basically like you're sort of like a mini law firm, right? And supporting community organizations. I got assigned to help out on a project that we act, Environmental Justice, which is a major uh, environmental justice group here in New York City, um, to help them, right, in their campaign around the, um, the, the Columbia University expansion into the um, West Harlem Right, community. And so uh, working with the, the tenants of the NYCHA houses in that area and um, helping them sort of plug into and be part of these like really arcane and crazy planning processes that 
sorry, city planning processes that you have here in New York and really helping people find their voice in, in, in these like spaces where they're usually like drowned out, right, and ignored. I think that that really um, uh, drew a light on, on, uh, on things for me. And, um, you know, I kind of found a niche, right, where, where I said, okay, this is, this is local sort of political work that I'd really love to get involved in or continue being involved in in the future after after having spent some time right like in law school obviously and then also in, in uh, national politics in dc right right before law school and, and after college um so i would say that that was kind of like the catalyst and and it was a guiding principle right for you know some of the work that i did uh, or most of the work that i did after that how would you say hip hop caucus is making a difference on the issues you all work on like what what are some of the campaigns you're working on right now so the the main the main campaign we're working on right now is respect my vote and you know obviously it's it's 2020 and so um you know we're focusing on on that work which started back in 2008 and over the years has drawn support and participation from um influential voices in the in the movement um in hip-hop such as ti Two Chains, uh, Charlene the God, Amber Rose, uh, among many others. We recognize, right, long ago, that the power of cultural expression um, is something that resonates um, with folks when when we're talking about okay, well, bringing energy right to the polls, right, and organizing around civic engagement. Um, we're meeting our folks, right? We're meeting the hip hop community where they are, right? As they are, as a people. And so um, our role really is in sort of uh, making sure that they have the tools that they need to make the, um, the, the statements and elevate their voices, right? To speak about these issues um, as they see them, right? And as they're sort of like prioritizing them. And so the, the most important thing right now for us is um, helping people connect the dots, right? And understand um, how their participation actually makes a difference, not just at this like high sort of, you know, 20,000 foot level, but really um, at a ground level and on the day-to-day -day issues that people deal with, um, uh, you know, every day. Do you feel like there's any music that you heard growing up that influenced you, that made you want to get into this work when you heard these stories being told? Absolutely. By the time I hit high school, I was definitely, you know, plugged into Tribe Called Quest, plugged into The Roots and, um, you know, the work that they'd started doing, um, Leaders of the New School, and, uh, and obviously, um, uh, uh, Pac and Biggie. But before that, our regional hip hop sort of like loomed large. And that was the Miami bass movement, right? And so I also grew up with um, Two Life Crew. And what, you know, back then, you know, we referred to as, as booty music, right? Like, and that was just like the thing in, in Miami at that time. It was it was raw, it was raunchy, it was loud, right? And it was so off limits 
that the judgments that were made about that music were basically judgments that were being made about an entire culture, right? And I look back at it now and it was like, okay, everybody else could have like, you know, wild it out to, to, to put it in, in kind of like the urban term, right? Um, you know, white people could do it. They had their sort of like privileged space where they could behave however they wanted, right? And uh, no one was kind of like critiquing that. But here were sort of like people in power, like the, like the Broward County Sheriff and the Florida Governor and a very sort of like just like conservative mentality or just an old school mentality making blanket judgments about this music the people who created it and people that listen to it um this stuff went all the way up to the supreme court eventually right and so um it was it was seminal kind of like uh stuff when it came to first amendment speech right and all of that so i think you know, in, in retrospect, it was it was um, not just an act of rebellion against your parents, right? To to listen to this and and an act of like solidarity with your friends, uh, as we were all listening to it, but but also um, uh, laid down a marker to say, hey, like this is us, and you might not like what it says, um, but but this is our world. So how can hip hop help lead this mobilization? Culture is the place where you find the common ground, right? And hip hop is youth culture and it's a way to establish that common ground so that, you know, we are mobilizing, right? And, uh, and really pressing the envelope and pushing the envelope when we're saying, okay, um, we demand, right, a seat at the table and need to be heard because you know yeah we can focus on all these like technicalities and all these issues right around uh climate change at 1.5 and 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 two degrees celsius but at the end of the day right unless we find sort of like those those uh, uh mobilizing kind of like mechanisms the the uh, none of that's gonna matter right like what really matters for us is like, okay, how is that affecting like my home, the air that I breathe, the water that I drink, right? How is, how is it uh, affecting sort of the public health crisis in our communities, right? And, and uh, the multi-generational um, um, baggage, right? That that has basically sort of like that, that our communities have carried um, be, because of uh, all the things that are, uh, that have been done to us. And so, Hip hop as a as a vehicle for expression also, um, you know, goes beyond just being like a uh, the common ground, but also gives voice to uh, um, all of these issues. I think, you know, on that note, I want to focus on on just one little wrinkle, right? One little sort of like specific thing we're doing this year, and that's um, really trying to educate the public on the voter laws by by states including sort of like the the rights of returning citizens so people who've been felony involved right to vote and um, it's it's really crucial for uh, critical for us to to debunk this myth that you automatically lose your rights you know to vote whenever you serve a sentence right for a felony 
And um, when the, the overwhelming uh, reality is actually the opposite, right? The, and so um, that's part of this mission that we have to dispel um, misinformation and just misunderstandings that exist out there around um, civic engagement and, you know, bringing people back into community and, you know, making sure that those roots stay strong um, and evergreen. When we talk about these like bigger issues like like voting and civic engagement and all this stuff, you can't just like walk away. This isn't like a every four year thing, right? Like the the cultural aspect of this matters so much. It needs to stay right, like as part of like our day to day lives, right? The engagement. Um, you know, you hear a lot these days like we're gonna stay out in these streets. Yes, right. And we're going to stay civically engaged and, and and voting and voter registration and all of that has to be a part of that culture every day, not just every four years. Right. So our, our future literally depends on it. I think this is so important to understand. And just, you know, when we're talking about making sure that everyone is able to vote, making sure that people who are previously incarcerated, as you just said, are able to vote and, you know, are then also helped getting back into this process of voting. And so I know that, you know, where I live in California, Prop 17 is on the ballot this November and is all about restoring uh, formerly incarcerated people's rights to vote. And obviously being from Florida, you are, you know, very aware of these types of policies and the impacts that they can have. The Amendment 4 um, situation in Florida was a travesty, right? And um, I mean, just a, a, a real... Um, undermining of kind of like the popular will, you know, and, and people really stepped up in 2018 and uh, made rights restoration kind of automatic, right? The default in, in Florida after you've served your sentence. And, um, um, and, you know, and then the legislature came around and took that away like immediately the year after. And so fines and fees are now sort of like a thing and that was upheld by a court, right? When I said earlier, like connecting the dots, right? This is how the dots connect and matter, right? Because when you uh, live in government that is basically minoritarian rule, when you look at it um, and they make all these appointments, you know, um, at a federal level, in the courts, for example, and they uphold decisions like this decision that ended up in the 11th Circuit, those things matter, right? And these are lifetime appointments. And um, the way to change that is by um, participating, making our voices heard, leading to majority government, and getting the decisions, right, and the leaders that are going to make the things that we need and that we demand. So with everything that's at stake with this election, I know that Respect My Vote is going all in to make sure as many people as possible are voting and having a voice in our democracy. Right. So what type of stuff do you have coming up before the election? So we have a uh, our, our tour, which uh, jumped off um, just uh, recently in Florida, right? We have, a, we have an event... Uh, at least one more event right in Florida and two more events in Georgia, North Carolina, Virginia, and Michigan. And so these are gonna be voter registration and, uh, and GOTV events. Um, 
Our next event is on October 20th in North Carolina. So uh, that's a GOTV event. It's in the middle of um, the early vote period too. So um, North Carolina in particular has um, same day registration, right? During the, uh, during the early vote period. So we, we really uh, do want to um, uh, stress that folks have until literally just days before the election, especially in a place like North Carolina, this is also the truth in Michigan, to vote, right? Like there are uh, many options to do that. And, um, and so I'd encourage everyone to visit respectmyvote.com and, uh, and you'll find all the information there around the uh, Respect My Vote 2020 national tour, including a link to, uh, to, to join the remaining events, right? That we have uh, uh, before, before the election. We want to thank you so much for joining us today. It's really great to really hear about how music has influenced people's lives and how it has made a difference in this work that we all do. Do you have anything else you'd like to leave with our audience? Any final thoughts you'd like to tell them? Well, yes. I um, I just want to remind people 2020 is the year of the truth, right? This is the year where we're stepping up and saying, um, you know, this is... Um, this, this is the real world that's out there and, uh, and we are uh, making our voices heard and, uh, and ensuring that communities are um, able to vote uh, amidst these crises that I mentioned earlier, COVID-19, formerly incarcerated people um, being, you know, intentionally shut out when they shouldn't be. And, um, and you know, and inspiring young people to to vote on these issues um, of racial justice and and climate justice. So, thank you for your time today. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Future Now. Our spotlight this week is Beth Doglio, a Washington State Representative and a candidate for Congress in Washington's 10th congressional district. She's fighting for a Green New Deal, Medicare for All, affordable housing, raising the minimum wage, and more. You can learn more about her campaign at BethDoglio.com. Our Future Now is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. Thank you to our media partner, Parentology. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform and share this episode with your family and friends on social media. I'm Jonah Gottlieb. And I'm Natalie Mebane. And this is our future now.